Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and today we're talking to the visionary branding strategist, Tiffany Newman. Tiffany thrived in the corporate nine-to-five world, but left after a life-threatening illness caused her to re-examine what she truly wanted to do. Today, Tiffany gets to help highly motivated entrepreneurs and influencers up-level their businesses. After 15 years in the corporate world, she left to establish a revolutionary branding business that stays one step ahead of all the trends. Tiffany now works with clients across the globe to help them achieve 10 times their sales and shine even brighter, which you'll get to do too after hearing Tiffany now. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Tiffany. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to see you. Okay, so yesterday I was on my weekly family Zoom call and we were talking and I was telling him I was interviewing you this morning and it's morning my time and I was telling what you do and they had no idea what branding was. So I thought we would start with just what is branding just for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good question because for some of us who know what branding is, you know, it's like, not a question, but there's so many people I think who either don't know or they have it wrong. So most people think that branding is their visuals, right? The logo, the colors, how the the brand is presented visually. And that is part of the brand, but really to me, your brand is everything in your business. So it's the way that you answer your emails. It's the way that you show up in social media. It's the way that you send out your emails and it's the visuals too, but that's really the icing on the cake. Really the brand is all of the strategy that goes behind it in the messaging and what you stand for. And then the visuals is the visual manifestation of it that everybody sees and thinks of as branding, but really is almost everything in your business is how you create your brand. When you say what you stand for, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So when I say that, it's really all about your values. So if you think about what you stand for, one of my favorite things to do with my clients before, again, we get into that visual space is look at their vision, their, and their values and their voice, the three V's I call it. And that's really what you stand for. And especially with the year we've been through and everything happening in the world now more than ever, I believe that people are really looking for business owners to work with other business owners and other businesses that stand for what they believe for and stand for a cause or causes. And a lot of times businesses, you know, are just all about making money and people are more attracted to working with a business. I actually wrote an article about this that have what I call a conscious business. So really taking a stand for what you believe in and infusing that into your business. It's like uh, Ben and Jerry's was always yes. known for that. They're my perfect, ex- I love Ben and Jerry's is a great example of that for sure. How did you get into branding? I know, and you teach at uh, college also, don't you? I do, yes. I actually took a small pause from that just with, the, again, everything going on and I have yeah. little ones and it just got to be too much. But um, yeah, I teach at a college level, design and branding. And so how I got into it was kind of by accident. I was in high school and took what I thought would be a blog. I just had some extra classes that I needed to take. I was pretty well caught up. And I took, I think, a yearbook class first and a graphic design class. And my teacher ended up putting some of my work in a competition. And I went all the way to nationals. And she was like, you're really good at this. Like, have you thought about doing this as a career? I was like, I 
no, I didn't even know this was a career. And so long story short, I did. I went to college for it and then just did it ever since. So it's really what I've been doing since, since a teenager all throughout corporate. You want to tell the story about how you ended up working for yourself and on your own and what you've overcome in, yeah. in, in, to get there, I should say. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I was, I guess to back up a little bit, I was living what I thought was my dream life in corporate. I had worked my way up from an intern to creative director in a Fortune 500 company. I was working with brands like Stoli Vodka and Burt's Bees and FedEx and Adidas, like amazing brands. And that's what I always wanted to do. But I think life's always, you know, show, throws us <laughs> things. And between having my daughter and realizing that I was traveling all the time, I was going back and forth to New York and being away from her, I had to go back um, right after six weeks. And so that was my first thing is I was wait, like, this... six wait, 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 you had to go back after six weeks. I went Where back do you after... live? What state? I'm sorry. I do employment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm I was working out of Chicago was my corporate office. Okay. Yeah. So I went back after six weeks and I was just made it work. Like it's all good now, but that was the first thing. And then after that, I had almost kidney failure and doctors still don't know why it was just a weird fluke. Like I'm a very healthy person. I believe looking back that it was like divine God, however you want to say that, because I was laying in the hospital bed and I was like, this, this is not my life. This is not working. Like I thought this was the dream, but this is not it. And I had, I basically become an entrepreneur within the company that I was within. I built the design department up. It was, you know, from like 10 people to 60 people. I mean, that was a big thing. And I realized I was running this big team and I was basically running a mini company within the company. And I was like, why am I doing this for somebody else when I could do it for myself? So very long story short, that health scare and kind of bouncing back from that. Then after I was released from the hospital, I worked from home for a long time. They were kind enough to let me do that. And I still did that. So I convinced them to let me stay on part-time, hire a replacement and train them. So at least I still had an income and transition out. And that's really how it all unfolded is I made that transition and it, it was kind of a side hustle to get it going. And then it really, I was able to meet the right people and brand myself <laughs> and, and take off pretty quickly. Obviously, I mean, you must have overcome different fears and, mm -hmm. and so on. How did you work through and process that? Yeah, gosh, it's so good. I don't know if we've talked about this, but I actually studied under a woman named Mary Morrissey for 10 years, like even when I was in corporate, and that really helped me scale up to become the creative director that I was in that space. So, you know, that's a lot of visualization, manifestation, universal laws. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, she's best friends with like Bob Proctor and Les Brown. So I really did a lot of that, that training. And that was, again, while I was in corporate. And so I had those tools to really help me make that transition. I did a lot of visualization and, but there was still always those fears of like, what if I'm leaving this amazing job and I can't find any clients or I don't have any money. And it's, it was funny because, you know, like I had a huge team in corporate, but then moving into entrepreneurship, I feel, I felt like a kindergartner. I was like starting from scratch all over again. And I had these credentials, but I was like, nobody knows me. Why would they trust me? You know, all those thoughts that run through your head. And so it was definitely a huge self-development 
practice and and still to this day you know when I have launches and things I have a mastermind and I was just telling my mastermind ladies that you know we're all human I think at every level you level up those fears and feelings come back in a new different way or like every ceiling that you hit financially or what have you and so for me yeah a lot of it is you know doing the visualization and, and then just tools I've learned to help me move past it. So if I get in a funk, I give my, I, I give myself a time period. I'm like, okay, you have till tomorrow morning to like freak out, but by tomorrow morning, you're just going to like turn it off <laughs> and replace it with good thoughts. And it's not easy, but it does work. And, and so just a lot of mindset tools that I've learned over time, you know, and I have like little sticky notes or not sticky notes and like postcards with mantras on them and things that help too. So why don't you talk about the visualization for people that don't know what that is or what you do specifically? Yeah. So for me, I really love to, and I do this with my clients too. So it's something I love talking about really look at where I want to be in the future. So if it's, you know, next week I have something, I'll visualize it. Or with my business, I look, you know, three to five years and just imagine like what I'd want that to look like and journal about it as well. And I've been doing this for years and I look back at my old journals and it's pretty cool because what I've realized is basically most of the things that I write and I'll even forget about some of them. I'm going to look back and I'm like, oh, that totally happened. It didn't happen necessarily the way I expected it to. But if you, you know, put your eyes on it, and then sometimes people too, it's like literally you, you vision it by putting it in your notebook, writing it down. But then for me, what really works is every night before I go to bed, I go, instead of thinking about or worrying about tomorrow, what's going to happen, I actively think about that visual and I try to actually visualize it and feel the main thing too, is putting the feeling behind it. So feeling how it would be to be in that place and have gratitude for it. So like it's already happening And then I even to go as far as recording my vision in my voice memos on my phone and then listen to myself speaking it while I fall asleep. And that's really powerful too, I found over time. I haven't heard that one. That's really good. And for anybody who's a naysayer, when I was an undergrad taking public speaking and or having to give a speech in a course... I would visualize myself, you have to practice it this many times. I don't remember if it was five or 10 or seven or what it was that you had to practice it out loud. I would picture myself giving the speech and having fun and smiling. I would picture myself that way. And it's no different than that for anybody who is rolling their eyes at this at the moment. Yes, exactly. Um, It does sound a little, and even when I first heard it, I think what got me is that somebody told me at one point that this is how Olympic athletes train too, is they just do the run, you know, say it's a ski run or ice skating or whatever they would picture swimming, you know, Michael Phelps, I think did this and just picture himself winning exactly stroke by stroke. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. So then it made it a little more tangible for me. Yeah, no, it absolutely. I took a sports psych class at UCLA Mm. as an undergrad. It was one of those when I had extra units, I was hoping this is the best class and you can get it. And that is exactly, it was all mental. Everything was mental and it was about visualization and everything. So not to make this an undergrad discussion (laughs) (laughs) by any means, but I love the recording into notes and playing that back. I've never heard that. And then what about the critical mind? Because that goes, then I can picture me playing it back going, oh my gosh, I sound like that. Just like. Mm. 
hearing my podcast, I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I can't listen to my portion. I can only listen to you. <laughs> right. No, that's true. I, I don't know. Somehow I've gotten over that because it's just me listening to it. It's nothing that's going out there. But I can say I had the biggest fear of doing Facebook lives and I do them all the time now. And I was challenged to do Facebook live once for every 30 days. And this is two or three years ago, actually, it hasn't been that long and I still don't love it. But, you know, and I say, um, all the time and I, I'd go back and watch and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like this is horrible. So I have the same thing. Like I will just do them now. I did it for 30 days, made myself and I just don't watch them. I just put it out there. I'm like, whoever's meant to see this, will see this. I hope it impacts at least one person and leave it at that. Yeah. And now I know that you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a business person, and it's COVID. Are you doing everything from home like the rest of us, I would imagine? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the one thing is I'm really grateful. It hasn't been a huge transition for me personally, because even before COVID, I've been serving my clients. I have clients all around the world. So Zoom, I was on Zoom all the time anyways, but it has been, you know, I have a six-year-old and so she's been in and out of school depending on what's happening. And so navigating that. And, and then she has her Zoom meetings with her classrooms on running over and pushing start on hers, then running back. And, and so it's been really interesting, but I don't know, there's some quote about being a mother. And if you want a job to get done, like ask a mother to do it, because I think we're just forced to multitask. And so I just keep telling myself, this is a season. And when it's over, I'm going to feel like I have more time. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it'll, it's just going to make later feel even better. I feel like. At least that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> yeah. So how are you managing your time and taking time for you? And do you have any mm. things that you're, are you meditating? Are you, are there certain tools that you're making sure you do to take care of yourself? Yeah, the best I can. And if I'm completely honest, like I am not perfect at it by any means, but I do try and do a daily it depends on the day, but I do try and do like daily time in the morning just to get myself centered before I work. And music has been really big for me. I found like if I'm working and I'm not on calls, just having really good music really helps. Let's see what else. I try to read before bed, but a lot of times I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, just, it just depends on the day getting out. Now it's where I live, it's cold. So now I'm not getting out as much, but when it's nicer, just going on, even if it's a 10 minute walk has done wonders. I think because we're all, you know, in our homes so much. And then last but not least, I know you said that you had like the family Zoom call. And so just making sure I'm connecting with people still. I'm lucky that I get to see my clients pretty often on Zoom. So I feel like I'm having those interactions, but that's really been helpful just to keep my spirits up. If I, you know, you get, and I do, I have my husband and my daughter here, but that can become, you know, I love them to death, but you, you just need different discussions and different times. And then as far as time saving for me, it's, you know, some days I do meal planning or I just make, you know, a couple different things and, you know, I'm lucky my husband helps out, but not having all of the, those duties on when, you know, there's no restaurants open and things like that has been huge too. And then, you know, lunches for the little one. And it's, it's an, it's a big <laughs> to do getting it all straight, but I don't know. In some ways, the routine has really been helpful to, to kind of keep it going, you know? Yeah. Did you have a mentor or someone that you go to and 
for somebody that needs a mentor, what would you suggest? Yeah, you know, I did. I've always had at least one mentor. So like Mary Morrissey, like I mentioned, um, I do have another person, uh, her name is Kizma, that is kind of like a spiritual mentor and that type of thing. But honestly, this, it was really interesting this year when I was thinking, I was also in my client, Selena Sue has a mastermind and she's my client, but she's also much further ahead in business than I am. And so I really just always loved the way that she ran her business. So I, yeah, I know who she is. Yeah. 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 So I do, I'm her creative director and do all her branding as well. She, um, she ended her mastermind. She's no longer doing it. And so when that ended, I was asking myself, okay, do, should I look for another mentor and meditated on it? And it was really interesting. I didn't, I didn't audibly hear a voice, but what I heard was, no, it's time for you to be the mentor because up until this time I was doing the branding and people called me their coach, but I wasn't like physically calling myself a coach. So I actually went back to do some NLP training, added that in this year and started a mastermind. So I don't really at this point have a mentor. I'm being the mentor, which is really fun, but I'm sure as again, as things change and level up, I'm sure I will have a mentor (laughs) at some point again soon. I think it's so important to always have, and if not a mentor, like having other people that are at the same level of business with you that is like a self-led mastermind. It's just really important to have that collaboration and, hey, like, what do you think about this? Or just to people to talk to. It's really important. I definitely agree. What would you say are the three biggest obstacles you've overcome? And then how did you overcome them? Mm, That's a good one. I would say the number one would go back to be the house. You know, the kidney scare was just random. I got over that, but much before that, when I was in college, I was about 60 pounds heavier and just not in good health. I didn't grow up. I love my parents to death, but I did not grow up knowing how to be healthy really. And so um, I had another health scare back then. Long story short, I had one of my best friends passed away from leukemia and I signed up to run a marathon in her honor. And it was one of the best, scariest, but best things that ever happened because I hadn't ran a day in my life, but it was like one of those things where she passed away and I just felt horrible about it. And the opportunity came up and I was like, this is it. Cause they train you and everything. And, I, and they would said, you didn't have to run a day in your life. We'll train you how to do it. And so I lost all this weight. And, and I feel like running that marathon was the first piece of like me realizing I really can do anything if I put my mind to it, you know, and you hear that, but then it just sounds silly, you know? And, and so after doing that too, I feel like that was the stepping stone. Once I decided to become an entrepreneur, my mind kind of went back to that. Well, if, if I can do that, I can do anything. So that was, I feel like the health in general has just been a huge hurdle for me and things pop up. And I think so many people struggle with health journeys, right? In one way or another, they looks different for different people. And just knowing that you can, if you put your mind to it, you can overcome it and just living a healthy lifestyle. Uh, let's see. I think motherhood is another one. Like I love being a mother, but I was also a bonus mother. I call it, I, I don't really love the term stepmother. <laughs> and so I also have a 19 year old and love her to death, but you know, it's just a different relationship. So that was a huge hurdle for both of us to overcome and, and navigate. And now our relationship I think is better than ever because um, she's in college and she's out of the house and, and we we more have a friendship, but 
that on top of running a business and being a mom to a newborn, I mean, just all the things <laughs> at once was a lot to overcome. And then I think the third would be just business, you know, it's, it's different being in corporate or I know, you know, you were a lawyer, but being an entrepreneur is so different. And so those mindset hurdles or just how to run your business, there's so many shiny objects of people telling us, you know, to do it things this way, or, you know, run Facebook ads or, you know, do this, do that. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so I finally, finally, I've spent so much money, probably, you know, just dabbling in different things and taking all the courses and what it all came down to, I realized was just listening to my intuition and, and what would work well for my business is really, yes, you do need those strategies and you do need, if you don't know Brandon, you need a brand strategist. And if you, you need that input, but I think that's the most confusing thing for us out there is all the noise and to really know what to do. Those are great answers. Really. I, I appreciate those. What's the question that you're asked the most? When you tell, when you used to go out and meet people yeah. <laughs> and tell them what you do, what's the most common question you're asked? Yeah. Well, I think you nailed it with the first one is just like, what is a brand for a lot of people? And then for people who are familiar with branding, I think the question I get asked the most is like, what to do if you have a brand? So I have people who come to me and they're like newer and I don't, ever typically work with people who are brand new in business because I think you need to kind of play a little bit before you can learn what your legacy I talk about legacy branding what a, before you can land on your legacy brand but I also get people who have been in business for 10 15 years and they're like either pivoting in their business or they're reinventing themselves just different things have changed and it feels overwhelming because they've done this or they're adding a new piece to their business and so it just seems very confusing. So I, that's the question I get asked a lot is like, how do I do it without feeling overwhelming or feeling really confusing? Like they just don't even know where to start at that point. And Selena was a good example of that. She had this amazing business, but it just no longer felt like her. And that's a piece of it too. Sometimes people just go or they're working with, you know, they have a Facebook ads person and they have a designer and a VA and it just kind of becomes what I call a Frankenstein brand. And so how, how do you create kind of condense everything and make it really cohesive and consistent? So that's the main question, questions, I guess, <laughs> that I get asked. Do you ever like just get to this point where you just go, oh, this is too much. I've made it. <laughs> I can teach. I can be a mom. And, and uh, how do you get over those hurdles? Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely days. I mean, especially during, you know, the pandemic and I was like trying to teach my little one during the day until I was up late doing business and all of the things. It, it definitely felt like I just, I don't know how this is possible, but I think then going back to, like I said at the beginning, like what I stand for and what my values are and the vision is for my business, it brought me back to center of like, I, you know, yes, making a living is one thing, but I am here. I truly believe like my business is here to make an impact in the world. And then the people's businesses that I help, they're all here. Like they're all mission driven businesses typically is who I love to work with. And so if I don't do this work, then 
like I'm not making that impact that I really want to make. And to me, it is all my main value is legacy. That's kind of what my whole brand is about. And so if I don't do that, then what am I doing? You know? And so then it kind of gets me through those tough times and then I get back and centered. And then I've, I've really grown my team this year too. And so even though I'm paying more for the help, it's allowed me to grow and have some more space back. And, and that's really been invaluable. That's another scary level in your business. Again, I had a team in corporate, but having them in your own business just feels a lot different, but it also just, it's so freeing. It's so nice. (laughs) Yeah. And what do you mean by legacy? Yeah. So legacy for me is really, you know, why you're here. If you're in business and you are a mission driven business and you're like a great example of that too, with the 52 weeks of hope, you know, giving hope to other people, whatever that is. I mean, even a copywriter, it's like, well, what is a copywriter? Like, how are they giving a legacy? Well, they, they can, if they're working with, you know, say they're a copywriter for health experts and the health experts are making a difference in people's lives. It's really all about why, what is your business here to serve and how are you making an impact? And for me, that's really leaving your legacy. And it's not like leaving a name for yourself necessarily like, oh, you know, hundreds of years from now, people will be saying my name. Like, I don't really care about that. But for me, it's really knowing that I made an impact and and the ripple effect that that can have. And then also, you know, with my daughters showing them, you know, like we just had, and this isn't a political statement either way. Like, I don't get into that, but the fact that a woman is in the white house now, like watching that with my daughters, like that's the legacy. And so I just want them to know that you know, whatever their impact can be that they can make that happen. I think that's really important for the next generation. Yeah, no, I, the verbiage usage of your business may be different than others. So yeah. hearing that, that was a great explanation for that. And I make political statements all the time. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> your purpose that you had sent to me was to serve with your God-given talents, to proceed with confidence and to use your finite energy to make the world a better place for your two daughters that you could be found dressed up fancy one day and kayaking on the river in the next music festivals travel clean eating and fitness are your priorities and that you become fast friends with which i you know it's obvious when you meet you and now do you something like that go in to your branding is that how you brand somebody yeah absolutely it's a huge piece of it because What I believe is that people, you know, buy, and I don't want to say that they don't buy a person, but they, they invest in themselves and their business by working with a person that they uh, relate to and that they know that is an expert, obviously, but you know, there's a lot of brand strategists out there, for instance. So when somebody is looking for that, they're going to look for somebody that they resonate with. And so a lot of times, you know, I'll have, because I talk about being a mother, I'll get other mothers or because I talk about being mission driven and the legacy piece that, you know, like attracts like, and they really will resonate with that message. And so I help people really figure out like, that's the, really the core of my business before we, like I said earlier, before we do the visuals is really getting clear on the messaging piece and how you're relating to the ideal clients that you want to truly serve. And all of those attributes are really key to it. And I also teach, I think it's Taki Moore who actually invented this, but the content twister, really having those 
core messaging pieces in your business when you're putting out content? Because so many people struggle with content and putting it out there. But if you just stay really focused on that, that helps your brand. And if we look at any of the big brands, so, you know, Target, like I said, Burt's Bees, all of the big brands, the reason they're so successful is they're consistent. They don't change their colors. They don't change their messaging. You know, they have this core strategy and people become familiar with it. And so you want to do the same thing with your brand basically. It's just, it's, it may get boring to you saying some of the same things over and over, but that's really what makes people successful is because you start indoctrinating people to your message and then it just kind of clicks and, and then it invites them in. So on social media, I'm not on it that much, but even like Clubhouse, it's the first three sentences that matter or on Instagram, it's there's just a little bit of room to put your bio. Yeah. Is that where the branding comes in and should that be the same on everything? And how does that work? Yeah, definitely. The more consistent you can be across all platforms. So even using the same headshot um, for the most part, and it's fun to switch it up, but having, making sure this, the visuals all look the same and then yeah, the bio. And then when people see you, it's brand recognition, you start popping up and then they're like, Oh, you know, I've seen you here and there and you're, you're just everywhere. And when you get to that point, it's, it's really, it really can do wonders for your business. If your brand is, is really clear and on point. That's, that's good to, to know. Is there any message of hope that you would want to give that you haven't discussed already? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. And I just love this topic that you, you bring to the world because I feel like more than ever, and I'm sure you've heard this before too, but it's like, we need that hope more than ever right now. I just think the the world's kind of been on fire and people, there's so much unknown and division and, you know, wherever people stand with that, I think for me, I really look at 2020 as like a reset button. And for somehow I had this like deep seated sense of like calm the whole time. And, and I mean, I had moments, of course, I think we all did. We're like, oh my gosh, like this is too much. What's going to happen? But I truly believe that it's, it's bringing us into a better place in the long run. I don't know when that's going to happen, but um, you know, I look at the next generation and and they tend to be, you know, a little more hopeful as well. And so I feel like the more that we can just keep doing what we we're doing and putting beautiful messages out into the world and spreading hope, that can be contagious too. Like the not the negative things be, and the scare the scare pieces can be contagious. So can the hope and positivity. And so for people like you who put that out there, and that can create a ripple effect. It's just so beautiful. So yeah, I think just staying in that space and keeping your vibe as high as you can and surrounding, you know, they always, everybody's heard the saying that you are who you surround with the five people, but being careful about who you're surrounding with and the messages that you're hearing and not being on social media, not listening to the news so, so much. It just makes it easier to have a positive mindset. Yeah. And I also think the younger generation, the generation, like people in their twenties and all, they are so cool and so much more connected than I ever was. Certainly at that age, they just, you can't help, but feel hopeful when I'm around them. So yeah. Yeah. They get a lot of flack because they're like glued to their devices all the time and stuff, but 
I do think that, yeah, they, I think they're very helpful, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, they're very cool. They get stuff done even though they're on their devices. I mean, they get them fast. <laughs> yeah, so, that is true. That yeah. is true. <laughs> so thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Tiffany's messages of grit, faith, and trust. Great messages for us to take with us into the week ahead. She definitely is an example of trust that we just put one foot in front of another and keep going. Life unfolds the way it's supposed to and we all end up where we're supposed to end up. Be sure to tune in next week when never at a loss for words, Laura Rittenhouse joins us. Laura is a Warren Buffett endorsed author, leadership and corporate candor coach. And she joins us discussing everything about reading people through their words and also finding the blessings and gifts in cancer. She's great. I was really looking forward to talking to her and she does not disappoint. It was very fun. So she's someone who was definitely way ahead of her time. If you're on Clubhouse, join me on Tuesdays. I'm hosting a few different rooms talking to about women in podcasting. It's a great place for us to meet up. So just drop me a line. Let me know that you're going to be on there. And please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a positive review and send us feedback on our website, 52weeksofhope.com. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.